Hey guys, I'm back. It's Welcome to... back. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, I know you're all super excited to hear about the group ride I did in Orlando. And I would also be super excited to tell you about it if I actually went and did it. Oh, man. But you didn't make it? No, I didn't make it. Bummer. I had a really, really tough night. I got very little sleep whatsoever. And T tough night at the Rose and Crown? I didn't go to Epcot. No, I did not go to the Rose and Crown. And you know what? The Magic Kingdom has no booze at all. How in the hell is an adult supposed to get through a vacation with their children? I know. Uh, I mean, if it hadn't been for the vast quantities of cocaine that I yeah. was on at the time. Quaaludes, maybe. Yeah, and the ludes and, uh, <laughs> and various other pharmaceuticals. You know, I, I don't think I would have managed at all. Disney doping. Yeah. <laughs> so Super Rookie is going to be super disappointed that you didn't go on a group ride in Orlando. I, I was super disappointed too. I had everything ready. I had my kit all laid out. I had my Urban South racing kit and everything. I had my white socks. Proper. My white gloves. The whole, the whole shebang was all ready to go. But I would have had to have got up at five to make the ride for six. Uh, to get dropped probably by about 6.12, I'm thinking. Uh, well, you, know. you probably would have made it through the neutral rollout, well, which yeah. looked, looked to be about 30 minutes, maybe. Okay, then, then maybe I would have made it to you know, 6.29 and then uh, just you know, popped off the back, which would have been you know, okay, I guess. But it was actually, it wasn't particularly close to where I was staying. And yeah, I had about four hours sleep and I woke up, and I woke up at three in the morning and couldn't get back to sleep. Mm. And I was like, "Oh, this sucks." So Rest you basically uh, you basically blew up Super Rookie's Twitter uh, while he was <laughs> essentially apparently waiting for his wife to deliver their first baby. Congratulations! Yes, congratulations. Uh, only to uh, only to absolutely do nothing with it after all that, Matt. Well, did you ride your bike at least? I did ride my bike, but not in Orlando. And where I was in Orlando was terrible for riding bikes. Yeah. It was awful. There were no bike lanes or anything. But we went up to uh, the uh, Aryan Riviera up uh, in... Uh, that doesn't sound... 30A around there. Oh, in the panhandle of Florida. Yeah. So uh, we, we were up there and I got to do a ride there. And unfortunately, I didn't get to do it until midday. And oh, I bet that was wonderful. That was. I did an hour and 20 minutes at threshold heart rate. Uh, not threshold power, nowhere near it, but uh, yeah, I was cooked. And I think I drank four bottles of water in that, in that hour. And uh, it was uh, relatively miserable. Oh, and I got shouted at by some people in a big SUV. Um, various comments about me being in Lycra. So what you're saying is Florida sucks. Hey guys, well, uh, Matt, it's glad to have you back. Um, it feels like we've got the crew back together. It was fun having Aaron last week. Um, but, it was I fun mean, for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but you just can't deny this chemistry. Um, <laughs> we are on episode. This is the episode seventeen of the Yeah You Ride podcast. This is wow. Bodie Bodie. 
Hey there, this is the T-Bone. And this is Sir Cheerio. Sir Cheerio, I think you had a fan of your uh, Dropbox Magic Link. What was the Dropbox present? What did you say? What would you call it, Townsend? Uh, I don't remember exactly what how I referred to it. Uh, Matt's little secret Dropbox folder that he left for us. Anyway, that was a that was a fun jam. Uh, I thought we'd get more reactions to that. Are people listening to our podcast all the way to the end? Well, that's I think that's the issue. You left that till the end where you should have opened with that. Oh, man. Really, right. that would have kept them uh, kept them coming. Well, we know that Jeff, friend of the podcast, yeah, is Jeff listening. Phillips, yeah. all the way through. Shout out. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Well, that was for you then, Jeff. And if you guys <laughs> haven't heard the T. Finney B. White um, remix, I suggest you go back to episode 16 and give that a gander. I think you uh, refer to that as a mashup, not mm. a remix. Okay, that was a mashup then. Um, all right, well, guys, we have a lot of stuff to talk, talk about this episode. So let's just dive right in. First of all, we came here to record this podcast, and I'm beat, guys. Yeah, so um, you're uh, you're training hard. I think you are uh, you're you're training for the three of us right now. I'm afraid, Bodie, mm-hmm. um, and and more power to you. It sounds like things are going well for you. What's happening? Yeah, well, John uh, John Mooney, our coach, uh, shout out, gave me a pretty painful workout, and when she entitled it, I found this on Training Peaks. It looked painful. Have fun. So right. thanks a lot, John. Uh, it was one of the, kind of a high intensity uh, workout, which actually I was I was glad to have because pretty much the only race I feel like I'm gonna race is the Lambert Crit Champs, and so I needed some of that, you know, um, high intensity fast and go repetition workout. So that was uh, pretty brutal, um, and this heat. Uh, it's it's finally gotten to me, guys. I I just I cracked today. I just said that's it. I'm done with summer. So I don't know if this is early for me or late for me. It's July 25th. When do you how do you guys do you guys in terms of like riding in the heat? When do you guys just kind of like go fuck it over it? Uh, usually sometime in June. So I'm doing okay. pretty well this year. You can ask my wife. I'm a I, I turn into a real uh, I have reverse seasonal depression. I get uh, get pretty uh pretty bummed out in the uh in the summertime with the heat um yeah so feeling actually pretty good that i've made it this far without really wanting to call it but i'm right with you man i'm uh you know really enjoying being outside on my bike now after having spent a considerable amount of time on the trainer yeah so i think that maybe had something to do with it just the novelty or the you know the sort of uh ability to be back outside again has really helped me kind of get over some of the heat. But yeah, I'm, I'm finally struggling with it now, especially on those longer rides as you get toward midday. Man, it's tough. And it, I think we're gonna we're gonna talk about this a little bit later in the show. But this we've been I've been thinking a lot about the Lambert calendar and the races I have not done this year. And I think that really what we should do is that in Louisiana and Mississippi we should not race in june july or maybe like july and august yeah that should be off season which it kind of has been this year sort of is yeah and then and then you know season starts you know maybe september october you know we sort of race through the winter here and everybody should be you know i guess but then how do you do base miles in the summer i don't know we're in a bit of a do you know what do you know what i think is a really um, pickle here a bad idea that we should not do at all (laughs) 
is a four-man time trial in August <laughs> in a completely <laughs> exposed spot with no shade whatsoever. Yeah, have uh, you done that course? Well, I've done part of it. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh man. Oh, Townsend's right. done the whole thing. I did the whole thing. Yeah that, yeah, that was the look over your shoulder and... Oh, yeah. I popped pretty early on that one. Wave bye-bye. Yeah. Well, and then, Matt, you and I did the two-man time trial, which was also in the in the heat of the summer. And, that, and was early, that was earlier, right? Yeah, that was in May. Yeah. <laughs> Late and, May. And uh, we uh, got on the podium that day. That was. That was my, my first ever podium. That's right. And we both had our brand new podium shoes. Yeah. Oh, oh, we're so great lame. times. <laughs> so that brings up a, a a quick sort of little bit of business. We should let our listeners know, Jeff, our listener Jeff. <laughs> um, so I've heard the Alan Kelly, the Alan Kelly crit that happens the same weekend as the team time trial is not happening this year. That's a shame. Uh, race promoter just kind of life got in the way, which I totally understand. Yeah, it is a shame. I I, I enjoy that course. I've it, only it's a very cool course. I've actually only raced it once, and I won it. Yes, I remember so, that. I was uh, taking. Yeah. I think I've got some good pictures of you coming across the uh, finish line. That one, that uh, the only race that I have ever actually won a thing. That's right. You won a basketball. <laughs> I won a basketball as a yeah. cream. <laughs> actually, I take that back. I actually won some money at Mardi Cross uh, okay. cross race in that. I, I podiumed in the B race last year and uh, and got a check. Nice. And my daughter Sarah got a check. In that uh, that same race, so wow. we both we both walked away with money that day. So also a little bit of note on the Alan Kelly. Uh, I went with our old, our friend and former teammate Travis Johnson, and he almost it it started raining, and he we were waiting around inside this building, and he'd taken my keys earlier to go to my car to get something. And I was like, we were about to leave. I was like, oh, do you have my keys? He's like, no, I don't have your keys. And he almost threw them into the sewer. They were like hanging just on the edge of the sewer grate with like the rainwater rushing by them. Um, that would have been quite a pickle. Yeah, I remember that race. That that was they, they actually the the if I remember the the one two three race got rained out. They had to call yeah, the call it's the been race. canceled many times. I mean that's the problem I think too is having races in august and mm -hmm. july is that you've got that afternoon rain shower yeah so anyway uh i think we uh we got to move on to what i'm calling the main course of this episode and that's the 27 tour de france that just wrapped up wait wait the 20 what 2017 <laughs> there we go you said 27 <laughs> i was about to do, have to pull up it's the quick 27 go back to 2007 Lay, okay. lace tours wait. yeah Day France. Day France is the Ville. Uh, 2017 tour just wrapped. Um, and let's see, on Sunday. So I figured we need to discuss it. Uh, I proposed an idea that we would do uh, 10 storylines. Yeah. Three minutes a piece. Okay. Uh, let's see how we can do this. You guys ready for this? Let All me, right. Let me pull up my list. <clears throat> this right. is like sort of a lightning round. Am I, am yeah, I, am I a right? a little lightning round. You know, and, it's, you, and you're actually going to run a timer. I, I'm going right? to run a timer. We'll see how we do. All right. um, and so we're not going to review stage by stage, but we're just going to kind of, we pick the 10 storylines, best stories, moments, things that we thought were interesting. 
Um, and so, uh, first, first one is who had the best tour? Was mm -hmm. it Scott? What team? I should say. What team had the best tour? Sky, obviously won the Tour of France. Sunweb won four stages, two jerseys. Quickstep won five stages. Yep. Um, Dan Martin did pretty well, but not great. So I mean, what do you guys think? Well, discuss. Financially, Sky had the best tour. Okay. Because they won the most prize winning. They won over seven hundred thousand euros. Wow. Right, but how much did they have to spend True. to win Good that? Point. That's a good point. So when you the balance that versus their budget, the return on investment. I would say Sunweb then, because yeah. Sunweb have a much lower budget than either Sky or Quickstep. Uh, like to say Sunweb. I mean that 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 jumps out. I mean you can't you can't not say Sky because they won the race and they yeah. won the race because they were the dominant team and had the most dominant rider, uh, and so. That's a pretty good recipe for saying that you had the best tour when you got the best team and the most dominant rider and you win the race. Uh, but Sunweb, I think, bringing it with, again, like you say, Bodie, the two jerseys. Uh, I mean, Barguil clearly just put a serious stamp on the polka dot jersey. Matthews, uh, I mean, he worked hard. We I talked about his strategy, but he kind of lucked into it a bit, right? Well, that's, I mean, it's hard to say, isn't it? Because of Kittel pulling out, he was getting close. On that stage, he was still, only, he was like 19 points behind when Kittel yeah. pulled out. So I think there was still some more mountain stages to go. Um, who knows? I mean... Uh, would Kittel have won in Paris? Probably. Yeah, I think Kittle would have won in Paris. Um, I don't know if that means he would have won the green jersey, though, with the way Matthews is riding. I mean, obviously, Matthews was super aggressive, was getting in breaks early on climbing stages. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we were at two minutes. I think I kind of want to say Sunweb. Obviously, I agree with you, uh, Townsend. Sky won the tour. But it's like, yeah, what if, they've done that already. So what's new? Sunweb, I mean... Were the most impressive. It was, it was exciting to watch Bargill. Um, not a fan of Matthews, but appreciate what he did. Um, Quick take on that, and, and I'm going to take the counterpoint to the whole Matthews looking into the green jersey because the reality, and I talked about this either last week or the week before, that was Sunweb's strategy with Matthews, was for him to yeah. you know, to win the green jersey the way he did. And yes, it, 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 it meant that some big sprinters you know, had to get knocked out of the race. Um, but that was their team strategy, and, and it paid off. So I think that's another point in their favor. And also, Matthews was taking points in the Mountains contest away from De Ghent yeah. to win that for his teammate Barguil. So Which they is had pretty a great, great. I think they had a great cohesive team effort. But we got to move on. We got to move on. To All number right. two. All right. Number two. So, Woo. yeah, we just did it, guys. Um, so number two, and this sort of kind of leads off the, the Matthews thing, is Sagan Gate. And how that affected the rest of the race. Um, obviously, everybody knows Sagan was kicked out of the tour. I forgot what stage that was. Um, Three or four. Four, maybe? Pretty, pretty early on. Yeah. Um, and I think that obviously had a big impact on Sunweb's tour. Um, I, li sure. would, I like to think that he... I think Sagan would have won another green jersey. Because I feel like he could have done all those things that Matthews did. Maybe it would have been a closer fight. I don't know. That would have been really interesting. Obvious, biggest difference 
between a with Sagan and a without Sagan Tour de France, no wheelies. Very true. Yeah, I didn't see a single wheelie. Did not see a single wheelie. Nope. Um, and, and I mean that literally, but I also mean that figuratively. Big loss for the sport uh, and big difference just in the sort of personality of the race, not having a guy like Peter Sagan in it. Yeah, I mean, he's the world champion. He's not in the tour. Um, I mean, he's pretty... He is probably one of the most recognized cyclists right now, I would yes. assume. Yep. Um, and for him to not be in... I think he's the most bankable cyclist, too. You yeah. Know? He's the, he is the rock star, so... Froome doesn't have that quality. Not at all. Yeah. And so for the cyclist's biggest, big, biggest show showcase, he's not there. It's a shame. Um, I think all of us probably, do we all disagree with the jury in their, in their findings? Absolutely. I do. Um, I think, I mean, it's pretty amazing that even with all the video evidence, you, after the fact, they still didn't change their opinion. Um, I was in the cycling podcast said that apparently they, it's like they can't look at other footage. Like they can only use what they see in the race or the jury. I don't know. It's like, come on, major ball sports use instant replay. Why well, can't you? I, th- I think the thing for me that really stands out is at first they, the decision, the first decision they made, I think was fine that they're going to dock him the points. Yeah. Right. They're going to dock him the points. They're going to put him back to the back of the pack. That's fine. And then later on, they yeah, decide true. they're going to eject him. That's what was, that's, that seems preposterous to me. It yeah, and, and, and I mean, on to your point of what evidence they can consider, and this is a little segue if you want to go ahead yeah, and segue to Yeah, we can just move ahead, three. save some time. Yeah. They did exactly the opposite in the bottle hand up situation where they gave a penalty and then went back and yeah. reviewed the footage and considered it a bit more and actually reversed what I think was a bad decision and and came out with the with the right decision on that one. So so that leads us to our third topic which mm-hmm. is the UCI jury really shat the bed this tour with their sort of uneven calls. Yes. ridiculous calls. Um, some would even say they favored the French. I don't know. I'm not really going to go. I don't know that I can well, speculate on that. Well, I think we can that. come to that a little bit later too. Um, well, it didn't work if they were trying to favor the French because they certainly didn't. The the, the French sprinters didn't uh, do much to take advantage of uh, Sagan getting ejected, um, and I guess you could say that that they that certainly were looking out for Bardet maybe with the with the bottle hand up, but. You know, I think that's fair. I mean, I really think that was a fair call. That was a fair call. Um, some of the things I want to talk about was just, okay, so DeMar does this crazy sprint, which sort of causes the whole incident with Cavanish, uh, Cavanish and Sagan. Or he, it starts it because he moves the whole field to one side. Right. Um, then you have Buhani, who hits, uh, was it Jack Bauer? Yeah. And then he gets. How is that not an ejection? Yeah, exactly. How is it? And then he gets. Oh, he gets fined a minute or something in the overall classification, which which is meaningless for a sprinter. Yeah. yeah, absolutely nothing. So it seems that I don't know how this like because the jury is not is not part of ASO, right? Like the no. jury is like a USAC. Like if we put on a race, USAC is the uh, governing body. 
it's like their part. They weren't all French. I think they no. were like various nations from what I understand. But then there is another jury later on that is predominantly French, which is the one that awards the certain prizes. Oh, okay. Which we'll, we'll get to later. Yeah, I mean, anyway, I just thought it was, that was, that to me stuck out as a storyline that they really did impact the race. Um, I, Thankfully, that was early on and there weren't more episodes of that, you know, in the last week and a half of the tour, at least the last week of the tour. Well, they, they didn't change their mind, Don. I mean, if, if I guess if Iran would have still got docked those time, I mean, how, how far was he from Bardet in the final? Oh, he had a good gap on he, Bardet. That, it wouldn't have affected the It wouldn't the have outcome. affected it, okay. Yeah. So, anyway, well, I guess we, we finished up that one in time. Um, Which brings us to the next point. Yes, good segue. So, so now... The other question is, okay, so Thomas de Gant spent the most time in the break, right? The most kilometers in the breakaway. It's like something like a third of the race. I think maybe half the race. It's like he did, it's like he rode as many miles that I've done this year in a (laughs) three-week tour in the break. In the break, right. So he was, I mean, it, it just seemed like every day he was in the break. And, and so he, uh, almost literally was, except maybe the time trial. Right. <laughs> Hard but, to be in a break in a time trial. Yeah. Right. But so, okay. So he's, he's in the break almost every day. Who do they give the super combative prize to Warren Barguil? Who's already, who's won the polka dot jersey. Yeah. It's like, it seems like, why would you give the same person who won the polka dot jersey the super combative prize. Surely you would give it to somebody who spent all that time in the break. For me, that's the biggest issue with that one. And this isn't, you know, I hate to be sounding like a everybody should win a prize kind of guy because that's not the point at all. What, but it's just exactly the point you make, Matt, which is why give a guy who is celebrating winning the polka dots right. a, 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 an, an award for which he's essentially going to be sort of an afterthought or a second best or a, oh thanks whereas to somebody like DeGent it would be monumental it, it would be a, the thing to reward him for a brilliant uh three weeks of racing do you think it would have mattered if he won a stage like would that have may have changed yes yeah I think so I mean I I'm, think that would have definitely helped I'm curious how this sort of very subjective award well, it's awarded well, I, I don't know about that, Matt. Well, to that daily point, and at the end of the tour. To the point of the subjectivity, okay, so there's a jury of five people, four of whom were French, mm-hmm. one of whom was on a was from ASO, mm-hmm. was like the, the course oh, designer. Yeah. Thierry, what's his name? Uh, Gouverneur, yeah. yeah. And then the non-French one was Greg LeMond. And then it was also... Allegedly, part of it was supposed to be from their Twitter poll, which DeGent won. Oh, that's right. Outstandingly. Overwhelmingly. Overwhelmingly, yeah. yes, is the better word. Let, 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 me, let me disagree with you, though, about whether a stage win would have made the difference, because it isn't the idea of the combativity award to reward people not necessarily based on winning, but no. based on animating. Yes, and but, he was an animator. But if you're animating results in a win, that's really good animating, right? 
So, I guess so. And, I'll, and I'll quickly say that I kind of, I'll play the devil's advocate, that I kind of see why Barguil won it because he he ended up in 10th over, overall on GC after going on so many attacks and, yeah. and you know getting in breakaways, taking the mountains uh, jersey, and winning two stages. And being French. We got to move on, but quick question. <laughs> if Barguil doesn't win the polka dots, clearly he's the winner of the Super Combativity Award, right? Is it only because he didn't, because he did win polka yeah. dots that we are arguing with this? I mean, yeah, I guess so. I think they just got, sure. they should have given it to get. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Number All five. Right. Moving on. So number five. Speaking of. Speaking of the Franche. Wow, we're actually the, the segues are amazing. This is amazing. Uh, so this this section is titled French Stage Wins. So I'm gonna yeah. let one of you guys talk about that or lead it off because I feel like you guys. Okay. In order. Demar. Oh, I forgot about him. Uh, Kalmajan. Oh, that's right. Um, Bar... Bargui on Bastille Day. Bargui on Bastille Day. Bardet. Oh, that's right. Bargui again. Right. Five of them. Pretty good. Primo Rajlik. You forgot about him. Not French. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so five wins, five French stage wins, which is good. That's I think good. so. Historically, I think, I think yes. Historically, recent, in recent history, in recent yes. History, yes. I, including, of course, the biggie being Barguiz win on Bastille Day. I mean, yeah. that's of course a huge day for the French. Obviously, it's their Independence Day, and um, and he wins in the mountains on Bastille Day. Yeah, that's what. Uh, that's Pretty what, French thing yeah, to do. That's right. It's almost as French as French fries. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As French as freedom fries. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I forgot what I was going to say. I think that they had a good tour. Let's put it that way. I think think for France, they had a good tour, but now they're going to expect more. Yeah. Now they've got to win. I mean, because Bardet has been on the podium two years in a row, right? Yeah. Second Mm -hmm. last year, third this year. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, he's, I mean, third is great, but I bet, you know, He's disappointed in that? I don't know. I think he's probably thinking to himself, I got to I got to figure out how to time trial, you know. True. I mean, I just it, it 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 it's sort of a shame. This is not on the topic of French stage wins at all, but you've got to be able to time trial to win any a, tour. Any tour now. Yeah. And um, you'd be the best climber in the world, and if you can't consolidate it um, with with a solid Time, you don't have to win the time trial, but yeah. you can't lose two minutes. It's interesting how those two things don't go together, climbing and time trialing for some people. Um, right. I mean, I guess maybe he's, Bardet is such a small person that... But others have managed to improve their time trialing. I think, you know, if we look at... Uh, the Yates brothers, I think they've they've improved their time trialing quite a bit uh, recently, you know. And there's other guys who, Uran didn't used to be traditionally a, a good time trialist, and he really worked hard on that uh, in past years. And and you know, it's actually won time trials. And then you've got a guy like he won one in the Giro. And you've got a guy like Andy Schleck who, yeah. who who you know lost the tour on the time trial. Yeah, and 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 every year worked and worked and worked to become a better time trialist and just never did. Yeah. All right. Well, time's up on that segment. Um, mm. Thank you, Schleck. So the next one we have is... Oof. 
Un, Movistar. Un tour sans Movistar. Un tour sans, yeah. So, well, we, obviously the worst possible beginning for that team that could have been when Valverde crashes out and breaks his back in the stage one. So, you know, his th- knee. things, th- his knee, sorry. Smashed his knee. His, yeah. his, uh, his, uh, their tour didn't, didn't get off to a very good start and, and, uh, just sort of unraveled from there. So do it? we think after, you know, with the hindsight that Valverde was possibly the true leader for Movistar? Uh, I still don't think Valverde would have been on the podium Yeah. in this tour, but I think he would have at least been able to do what Valverde does in the mountains and also assist. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's a tough one. The Valverde thing, obviously it hurts not having Valverde there, but also Quintana just obviously was he off was the not, boil. Yeah, he couldn't, he was not there. No, he, and he uh, never ever looked like he was there, did he? No, not at all. I mean, he might have went on one attack with uh, Contador at some point. And they got dropped by got Contador. <laughs> and like, it's not like Contador was on top four. No, yeah, he got dropped. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's really, they didn't, they didn't get a stage win. Um, nope. They who? came away actually with one of the lowest prize money of, I think they were like bottom three or four, you know. Like who else was there? They should have had Dowsett. Didn't he get left behind this he year? Got, Dowsett got left behind, yeah. Uh, um, winner Anacona? Well, I guess he did the Giro. Yeah, well, they had other guys who did the Giro, like Rory Sutherland would yeah. have been a very useful person to have, you know, big man on the flats, uh, as well as Dowsett. I think they would have helped a lot. But none of their team looked super strong at all, did they? Uh, Andre Amador had also done the Giro. Yeah, and he so looked it, cooked. Yeah, and so maybe that was maybe that was the issue. Well, yeah, what's up with that? I mean, did Quintana got... He was on the oh, second? Because Zerviti did the, the Giro as well, didn't he? Uh, I feel like Erviti has done every single race this year. Uh. I don't know if he did the Giro, but he see, it feels like he did every. He did all the classics. Wait, so Quintana got second in the Giro. He did. Okay. Yeah. So he had, but it's interesting because he got second at the, at the Giro, but I don't remember him racing that race. Did he do anything? He was in the pink jersey for a while. He was in his full Pepto Bismol. No. Well, I, I yeah, it came down to it came down to the he final was actually leading between he and in the la, on the la, he was wearing pink uh, okay. on the last right. day. Well, I forget things quickly. <laughs> I don't hold on to bike racing and stuff. Wow. When, when I'm Big older, fan of that Giro race this year, huh, buddy? Yeah. yeah indelible know. impression. Does this go back to uh, what the hell has Aru done lately? Seriously, what has Aru done lately? What has he done lately, though? Well, he won a he, stage in the he tour. He did nothing the last two weeks, though. All right, let's move on to our next uh, topic, which is, I think it's safe to say, the podcast's favorite cyclist du jour. Yeah. Uh, Hold on a second. I'm going to do a little something just in honor of him real quick. Oh! For the listeners who can't see at home, Townsend just tossed his reading glasses because he was... (laughs) Podcasting so hard, he was lead, you were leading <laughs> so us out hard. into the segment. Podcasting so hard, um, pod so hard, bro. Yeah. Hashtag. Yeah. So yeah. Kawasaki, Mikel Kwiatkowski. I can't say Kwiatkowski. Yeah. Sure. Kawasaki. All right, yeah. one of those. So Kwiato. 
Not yeah. so many nicknames. Well, we burnt him the bur- in The Burgermeister. Saw so that, that uh, Instagram Yeah, he had a Corona and... Yeah. And just a big sloppy looking cheeseburger, man. I was... Yeah, that looked good, but the yeah. Corona, bro? Yeah. Like, in, fr- in France? Do they, ha- they have Corona in France? I would imagine after three weeks, any beer tastes all right. That's true. Um, he had a lime in it, too. So, yeah. I mean, to the substance bro. of it, mm. um, uber domestique for, uh, for Team Sky. Um, Gets second... On the time trial. Oh, one second. Yeah. Like, to was, a it fellow day, pole. was it the day before that he no, ground himself to a halt? Two Literally days ground before. himself to a halt. It was two days before. Yeah. And then he gets second. And how long was that time trial, the final time trial? 22K, I think. Something like that. Yeah. So. It's about a half hour effort. Yeah. I mean, that's that's high intensity right there. So. With a with a nasty climb in the middle of it. Yeah. That was a crazy time trial plus course. percent. Uh, climb in it, yeah. Yeah, those guys looked like they were standing still on that. And, and speaking of standing still, at least twice in the last week, Kwiatkowski puts in such an effort on the early parts of some of those climbs that he literally pulls off and is just done. I mean, he doesn't even fade. He's just no. stuck in yeah. mud. I mean, just can't can't even move. Um that reminded me of like Kenyuk did the same thing a few years ago when Froome had his first win, had that win on Vontu and uh, they were still up in the trees and Kenyuk came off the front and just absolutely, and almost like fell off his bike. He was just like, like literally like falling, half falling off the bike on the side of the road. I always wonder what happens when the camera pans away. Like did, did Mikel just like stop for a second and like take a breath, you know, Probably. like, Reached in his jersey pocket, ate a gel, like, and just... Maybe waited for the next group to come. Yeah, put in the easy ring, and then... Oh, yeah. 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 So, Uh, yeah, we've thoroughly impressed. We enjoyed watching him uh, ride. I'm becoming more of a fan. I can't see what... what... And let's not forget, this guy is not just a domestique, is he? He's a former world champion. Yeah. He won won a monument. this year. One of them a monument. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then the other one, which will be a monument. That's yeah. right. In so, 20 years. Yeah. That was our that was our first podcast where we talked about it was a Game of Thrones finish. Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, moving on to the next segment, right. number uh, eight. Townsend. Yeah. I'll introduce this one yeah, because this, is, uh, uh, this was this was kind of my idea, which is the uh, you know the whole thing that this was set up to be a real sprinters tour with the number of sprint finishes, uh, et cetera. Nine? Something like that. And then, you know, not yeah. not a lot of those sort of big rolling stages. Uh, and what was set up to be a, a, a real sprinter's race, you know, you wound up, A, with sort of Michael Matthews with this unconventional non-sprinter's sprint to the green jersey, mm-hmm. right? as opposed to a pure sprinters sort of, you know, winning it. Um, you also, I think, I think the, I think the, fi- you had, you had, of course, Cavendish, Sagan, uh, Kittle. Uh, DeMar. DeMar. Uh, coming out of the race. Who were the, I mean, you would have said probably those were the strongest potential guys. I mean, yeah. DeMar looked super strong. Uh, you had sort of. Greipel and the and the Lotto uh, Sudal uh, lead out 
really? train really wasn't just there this year. not there this year, including in Paris, where everybody thought they might finally show up. They what almost you, did. They almost did. Yeah. But what did you end up with in Paris? You 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 ended up with. Um, Dylan Gronewagen. Dylan Gronewagen essentially leading himself yeah, out. Yeah, oh that God, was... God, the longest and, sprint. And, and just going long in Paris. I mean, when's the last time somebody went long and won That was a pretty the amazing the sprint in the Champs-Élysées? And I don't know if it was the day before or after he won that I watched some video that Lotto did, which is kind of interesting, a little, like, bio on him. And he talked about how he doesn't like training. And that he just likes to race. That's like Cav. Um, so he just likes to race to get into shape. So, yeah, Sprinter's Course. Um, yeah, the whole... It was a shame to lose all those sprinters because that would have been amazing on, on in Paris because um, we had a really strong field this year. Um, yeah. Although, I mean, counterpoint to that, I have to say, I mean, it was pretty phenomenal to watch. Yeah, that 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 sprint. I mean, that yeah. it, was, it wasn't your classic sprint, but boy, was it, it was it amazing. It just I mean, my fantasy team really wanted Kittle to be there to win. There, I needed that. Initially, Matthews was actually nowhere in that sprint, was he? I yeah, I don't know. I don't think he, he was even in the top ten. Huh. We'll have to check the results. Yeah, I, I don't know that. him there. Good to see Edward Bezenhagen was up there again. And that, you know... Great, great tour for him. Great tour for him. And it was great to finally see him get a stage after the closest second place in tour history. Yeah. Six millimeters. Which is just... Yeah, his, his victory was pretty impressive. Um, when he sort of rode away from that guy, Arndt or whatever. And yeah, just, literally rode him off his wheel. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's two rides. I don't know. That's impressive. On the anyway. longest stage in the tour. Let's move on to the yeah. next subject, um, and I've totally forgot my agenda. All right, number nine, Rigoberto Uran. Number nine, Uran Uran. Yeah. What did Aaron call him? Iggy Pops of the Alps. Iggy <laughs> Pop of the Alps. <laughs> so with I, the Mick Jagger swagger. So I guess yeah. um, cool, calm, and collected his way to second place. Yeah. Um, really phenomenal season for Cannondale Dre Pack. Yeah, um, Vodders was pretty stoked in the interview you heard with him sort of after well, he was pretty fired up um, so that was cool to see I mean he had a, he had a stage win which is good you know all, all the guys in the pool well, Bardet and Oran uh, had stage wins from Dinat, um, but I think that sort of helped cement his good tour was having that amazing uh, stage win yeah. in the uh, 53-11 yeah that was a uh... An amazing, uh, amazing day, wasn't it? And uh, and then he 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 didn't just. You're right. He was calm and cool, and he and he and he rode his he rode his way very smartly to that second place finish. But there were a couple days where he where he tried to animate and he tried to you know he, yeah. he, he tried to put in some moves. Well, not according to Bardet. Bardet said he didn't work enough. That he was just sitting on his wheel. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's probably what Bardet would have done if he was the guy sitting third behind uh, Iran. You yeah. Know? I mean, I, I, no, I mean, I guess yeah. Bardet is an attacking rider, right? In the mountains, he's an attacking rider because he has to because he doesn't have the time trial, which ended up being his downfall. Iran didn't need to do that. He just had to get through and survive to the time trial at the end because he knew he could put time into Bardet there, he which knew, he did. He 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 was so confident that he had a nose wheelie. 
yeah. view from. Yeah. <laughs> that, 50 uh, meters from, yeah. from the finish. Yeah, that was probably a, a slight um, shot moment, wasn't it? Yeah, just, just like, you're just, I don't, he's probably thinking about something else and just, whoa, well, hang on, I'm going too fast. That corner is here quick. Um, definitely loved the shot. I don't, it was either Jared Gruber or Ashley Gruber got of him. Like coming out of the tunnel? Yeah, coming like into the stadium. Just all black with yeah. his green. Yeah. It was beautiful, beautiful shot. Um, so that was really cool. And there were a couple great shots of him on the podium kind of cutting up too. And it actually is hearkening back to, you know, losing Sagan in the race. You know, I mean, there were a couple moments where he sort of, I mean, it's, it's kind of sad to say because he doesn't have a super huge personality, but I guess you know he 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 at least showed a little showed a little personality on the on the podium. Um, well, I, th- I think Rigo's I think Rigo's a bit of a character, you yeah. know, and he uh, I know, think so I've, I've followed him for quite a while on social media, and he has like a big presence there, and he you know he is the elder statesman of the of the new wave of Colombian cyclists, and it's kind of funny because. You know, there was, well, I know we're over time. Right, well. They had, the, they had this like, ahead. okay, Quintana's, Quintana's whole crowd basically moved from, from the Movistar <laughs> bus over to the Cannondale bus, didn't they? <laughs> I think it's good to see Iran Iran on the podium because I kind of felt like he disappeared for a bit. Yeah. I mean, great he had to some, see him. some bad luck and such, so great to see him back. Yeah. Um, so that brings us to our final uh, yeah. topic in our 10-topic Twitter friends stories of 2017. And I put this one last on the agenda thinking, well, we can't talk about the tour without talking about the winner. The winner. Yeah. And we might as well do that last. Chris Froome. Yeah. In case you didn't know. Yeah. Fourth tour win, which is Impressive. You know, on the cusp of joining the, uh, the Pantheon. The Pantheon. Yeah. So do, I mean, he's on the cusp. Do, right. do you guys consider him Cost-worthy? <laughs> well, no. Do you do you think that we'll... I guess it's hard to say. When you look back at Froome, like you look back at some of these guys, but then immediately I think that it was a different... They were different riders in different races back then because Merckx would win classics, right? And Grand Tours. And yeah, we're never going to see those guys again. Yeah. So... We're not going to see the Merckxes and we're not going to see the Enos, I don't think. I mean, he's more, I guess he's probably closer to Indurain. Probably in so. A way. But even yeah, Indurain little... would have won, you know, didn't just win at the Tour. He also won, you know, the the Giro and the, and the Vuelta. So, I don't know. I don't think it's possible anymore. The level's so high now. So then you've got to, so you have to have that sort of asterisk or that sort of exception in your head. I mean, for, okay, so then in recent history of of gc contenders right now does anybody have that many i mean who has who has three does someone have two what's contador is the closest contador has contador we know i think we saw from this year is i think contador is done yeah contador has won three but had one taken away from him right yes but he has won all three he's also the only guy out there that's won all three grand tours he has won all three of them so, I mean, we, we, we talked about this article about um, someone who posted article. They didn't think that Froome could win next year. and that, that Not just got somebody. Me. Somebody who knows a little bit about cycling, right? That, yeah, William Fotheringham wrote in The Guardian about it, saying mm-hmm. he didn't think that Froome has another one 
And he, and he made a pretty good case for why not, I think. I mean, it's all, you know, it's all argument at this point. Right. Uh, but it certainly, you know, when, when you looked at it and you really sort of digested what he was saying, um, you know, made some, made some pretty decent points. But, you know, there was another article, and I can't remember uh, who wrote the other article, which was sort of in defense of why Froome will not just win a fifth, but possibly even win more than one more. Uh, that that was equally as well reasoned and and yeah and thought out. So I, I think it could go either way. Uh, he's certainly proven that he's capable of it, and I think it really has a lot to do with who he's racing against. And that was really, I think, that was uh, 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 the the point that uh, uh, Fotheringham was making. Fotheringham was making yeah. is that you know next year um, people like. Tom Dumoulin uh, are going to be uh, coming to the tour. Nibali will be back. You know, there are people that that saw what Froome was able to do this year and what he wasn't able to do this year, and they really have a pretty good read on maybe what they need to do to beat him now. Right. Well, I, I would also add to that that, you know, on the flip side is as long as Froome has people like Kwiatkowski who are burying themselves for him on a daily basis, it's going to be still very hard for other people. Still very hard, but could be closer. um, Well, it was close this year. Yeah. Yeah. Got me excited for next year, which is crazy to think about because it's a year away. Yeah. Um, But so that brings us, and I think we wrapped up that segment uh, pretty well. That was fun. I enjoyed that. We needed a buzzer. Yeah. Should have got a buzzer sound. <laughs> yeah. Next time. Um, so Froome wins yellow, uh, which means then in our who's in yellow who's in yellow? Yeah. from last week, uh, our winner would be Aaron Viles. Aaron Viles, who he picked, picked Froome. Chris Froome. He and picked Chris Froome because I got to pick first, and I decided I would pick Roman Bardet. Um, and I picked Iran. You picked Iran. Second. So we had the podium sorted. Yeah. Uh, just in the wrong order. It wasn't order. too hard to pick that one, I should say. No, but, certainly uh, wasn't. And and Froome was the obvious choice, I think. Aaron made the right choice on your behalf, Sir Cheerio. So. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. Uh, Let's go to the more important thing. Yes. Is that the Semi Tufts Fantasy Cycling League. Yep. How did it all shake out between us three? Mm. And I pretty much pulled the sky. And I wore the two-tone, two-tone jersey throughout. Throughout, uh, I crushed it to all the listeners. I came in second behind Jaden. Got paid, professional Got fantasy paid cyclist. Money, mm-hmm. yes, forty-five dollars. Yeah. And it was pretty funny that Darnell sent me a link to a pair of Gator skins that were <laughs> forty-five dollars yes. exactly. Yeah. What did you say, Matt? I said those are winnings, <laughs> not losings. <laughs> Therefore, you cannot buy Gator skins with them. Um, they, so, they will be in your Christmas stocking. So, Matt, can that. you and can you put in some two-tone music right here? Oh, so let us present you. Thank you. Vote, vote <laughs> with the uh, two-tone jersey powered by Two-Tone Records. Yes. Looks good. Finally won something. Congratulations. And uh, we should also mention the uh, Lantern Mare goes to you, Townsend. Amongst amongst us. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Amongst us. The winner of the brown jersey amongst us. Although I made a strong move uh, into the... uh, I actually finished with the group. 
Although, actually, amongst all people who have been on the podcast, that would go to Aaron Viles. Oh, Who that's did right. actually finish dead last in Aaron the league. Aaron Viles did get last place. I, I told yeah. him I was washing the brown jersey and that I would I'd bring it to him, so I'll have to catch up with him. Uh, maybe I'll try to go find him down Should in the... Should one ever uh, wash the brown jersey? I feel like you shouldn't. Maybe when you pass <laughs> it from one to one, you know... Rider to the next. I think it needs to keep that funk. Uh, Shout out to my babe, uh, my girlfriend Emily and her team Bunny Baguette, who were they were in the Lantern Rouge of our league, but she was able in the last few stages. She outsprinted him for. uh, She did. Yeah, she outsprinted him. So. Well, I'll see if I can go run down and uh, find Aaron. Maybe find him this uh, weekend down in the quarter on his pedicab and uh, (laughs) toss him the brown jersey. Yeah, with the jersey. So, so on that note, yeah, um, Aaron also, uh, who was here last week and debuted uh, Pedicab Confessions, has uh, has given us another one this week. You guys want to take a look? Yeah, let's see what he has. See what Aaron's got in store for us. Let's yeah. do it. Let's let's, uh, do it. let's roll that tape. Hey, this is Aaron. I'm out in the French Quarter on a bright yellow pedicab, uh, and I've got some fantastic folks in the pedicab in uh, in New Orleans from Tennessee. Can you tell us who you are. Just your first name's fine. I'm Bethany. I'm Ty. Great. Uh, and so Bethany and Ty, we just went around the French Quarter, saw a bunch of different sites. I got all sweaty. Uh, and what I like to do when I'm not pedicabbing is like ride my bike, race my bike. Uh, and I'm one of those guys who wears like you know the lycra, like the spandex. Yeah, they're they're grimacing. You can't see this, but they're grimacing. Uh, so there's something happening right now. It's just wrapping up. Uh, it's like the Super Bowl of cycling. Have you guys ever heard of the Tour de France? Yes. 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 All right. What do you guys know about the Tour de France? We know it's a bicycle race, and um, Armstrong, Lance Armstrong, has won it it. seven to nine times. Seven times, I think. Yes. Seven times. Know anything else about his wins? Oh, they're not valid now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. He is not the uh, only one American has now won the Tour de France, and it's not Lance Armstrong, unfortunately. Uh, All right, so cool. Uh, It's called Pedicab Confessions, though. So if there's anything that you would want cyclists to know, maybe there are specific things they do that either you find awesome or not so awesome, is there anything you'd want to say to the cycling community at large? Tell them about their sport or about how they behave in traffic or anything like that. Say for the most part, all cyclists are very polite and very considerate of any pedestrians or vehicles on the road. And I feel like that vehicles are probably a lot less considerate to the bicyclists than vice versa. I did not pay her. There was no, like, I did not say ahead of time that this is what you should say. She came up with that completely on her own. Uh, but she's definitely my favorite uh, uh, interview so far. Anything you want to add, though, Ty? There's only one hill in the French Quarter, so it's good cycling. Nice. <laughs> Esplanade Ridge, folks. You heard it here first. All right. Uh, perfect. <laughs> I like I like that lady. She was nice. Yeah. Um, I don't know what this hill was in the French Quarter. Not sure either. Maybe uh, the le- the river levee. Oh, okay. That could be it. The maybe moonwalk. The, maybe it's the extra long way around that Aaron takes people to. Bring a little more cash? Oh, possibly. <laughs> so Lance Armstrong has won the tour 79 times, according to this guy. <laughs> That's pretty good for yeah. someone who doesn't yeah. know. I mean, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Seven to nine. I mean, when I guess when you dope like he did, you can win it more than once in a year. Yeah, yeah. sure. So. Fair enough. So guys, who, of course, Matt, who is the only American now to have won the Tour de France? 
Uh, I guess that would be Greg Lamont. I think that would be you, Greg Lamont. Yes. Who's won it three times? Most definitely would be Greg Lamont. Yeah. He won it while he, after he got shot. That's yeah, right. by his brother. So Chris Weiss, there's Great. a future for you. That's true. Yeah. All right, no, Chris Weiss. No excuses, Chris. Yeah. Come on. So all cyclists are pretty nice and pleasant. I guess uh, she's never uh, she's never ridden with uh, Jaden in the Giro. Oh, <laughs> dang. Wow. Wow. Um, I'm glad that she said that. and that Me too, and I, I agree. I hope, yeah, I hope that we can continue to have positive impacts like that, even though she never saw us ride, but yeah, good. I mean, uh, hearing someone say that all cyclists are nice and cars are really mean, that's like seeing a Yeti in the wild or something. <laughs> I mean, that's like pretty unusual. Yeah. It doesn't happen very often. Yeah. I wonder how long it took Aaron to find those two. Well, thanks for that, Aaron. Uh, that was enjoyable. Can't wait to hear what ha- what you dig up next time. Yeah, let's get something dirty next time, Aaron. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. like, Last time, it's... sex okay. and drugs, man. All right, I can see where, I don't know why. where is... your predilections yeah. are here. Yeah, you spending too much time with your children, and you <laughs> like, need to get a little out and be it a little. It is called pedicab confessions. Uh, yes, I would like to. I would, I would like to hear somebody confess. Something. Well, did you guys ever watch Taxi Cab Confessions? No. Yeah, don't they talk about sex and drugs I on Taxi Cab Confessions? all the times. Okay. Yeah. I guess you could confess anything. All right. Yeah. Well, let's get back to the agenda before I embarrass myself more. the other day um, I don't know if you guys know that I bought some SRAM red brake calipers on online swap meet oh, yeah. just because I was in you know shave a few grams um, mm. for my for my Richie my Richie logic and uh, I tried to put them on but unfortunately they don't clear my tires and, with, and sorry um, wait just a second what size tires are they yeah, so this is actually the bigger part is these are 25s. Oh, God. So this means that my Richie de- can't hold 28s. Well, that's not that's not necessarily true. It just might mean that those brakes are no, just wrong. No, because when I took the brake caliper off and I was looking at the tire in the fork, I mean, there's oh. barely any clearance. I bet there is clearance on the frame, though, but not the fork. Yes. There is. Yeah. There's plenty of clearance on the frame, uh, which leads me to another question. Pro or no? Two different brake calipers front and back. SRAM red brake caliper in the back and rival in the front. Pro or no? I mean, probably, hot, probably hot not. not pro. Yeah, okay, no, definitely not pro. Hot or not? Yeah, I, I'm okay with that. You're okay with it? Yeah, I'm okay with okay. that. Okay. Well, I mean, that, that takes us to a bigger question, which is, does your bike even come in the realm of pro anyway? No, not really. Because uh, it's steel, right? It's steel, which actually got me thinking about my bike because I kind of consider, you know, I'm, I'm a, I want to buy a new bike, and according to Matt's flow chart, <laughs> do I need to get a new bike or I need a new fork? You could get away with a new fork. Okay. Anyway... It started to me think if if my bike was a car, 
what kind of car would it be? And mm. I asked you guys this question, yeah. and my thought was completely different than what you guys said. So, so my initial thought was, uh, I thought steel, um, because your bike is steel, and steel bike sort of vintage, vintagey kind of vibe to it, uh, solid workmanship. Uh, I thought VW Carmen Ghia. But then Matt made me realize the error of my ways because <laughs> the VW Carmen Ghia was anything but solid craftsmanship. Matt right? got really mad. Yeah. yeah. Had to had to sort of smack us down. Yeah, I did. With your insight. So And then I realized I, I that I was on the wrong track with that as well and I started thinking more sort of triumph, MGB. Which was the right of, kind of way to be going. Right way to go with it. I mean I'm thinking English uh heavy English steel sports car from the seventies, early seventies was, was kind of where I was thinking with your bike. Right. Matt immediately went to what turned out to be the right answer, and that was I said it was a Miata. Which I, when you said Miata, I didn't get it. And, but then you explained, so. So the thinking is, from my point of view, that your, your bike is, okay, it's a steel bike, but it's not, it, it's not a retro steel bike. It's still a modern style. I mean, it is re it's retro in the sense that it's steel. And it has and a bit of a, it has classic geometry. It's, yeah, not, but it's yeah, not like it's a lugged frame and it's not like sure. it's made to be like a Tour de France bike from the 50s. It's supposed to be a modern day race bike. It's still a modern day race. It's still like, okay, I want the qualities of steel, but I still want a modern bike that I can ride. And therefore, my thinking is that that's like a Miata. It's like you have it the best of both worlds. Harkens of, back to an older time. Yeah, it's an MG that actually works and doesn't leak oil all over the ground. And here I was going to say that my Richie logic was like a Nissan pickup. Late 80s, early 90s, maybe a little bit extended cab. Because I thought of it kind of a utility. You can do racing on it. You can do... Gravel rides, you can ride for a long time, but I realize that, yeah, I can't carry anything on it, really. Right. There's no paneer bosses or... Um, anyway, it was an interesting thought experiment about what kind of car is your bike. It yeah. was an interesting thought experiment, and I have to say it led to one of the most interesting Facebook Messenger discussions that I've <laughs> ever had. Why so, do you know so much about bikes? I mean, cars, Matt. Uh, I like cars. I'm interested in cars, too. I feel um, like there was some good two-way conversation going on there too. It wasn't yeah. all Matt. I feel like I was productive in that in that conversation, though. Though Matt ultimately turned out to be right with his with his first answer. Well, I mean, I mean, there are potential other options, but I think that's the most like kind of the, for me anyway was like the most obvious kind of like. It. I mean, I guess I drove a few Miatas uh, when I was a kid, teenager. Uh, I mean, I never like drove it on the road. And really let it go. I mean, were they? I always thought they were like pretend sporty vehicles. Well, they're they're li they're like, well, I mean, they're they're they give you all the fun, right? So it's all the fun of, of a sports car, but not necessarily like. It's not like having like like say a, nobody's collecting them. 
Uh, no, but there. Well, you're you 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 can you can quickly bop about town, but you're not going to win a drag race. No, similar you're not to win my a drag race. Richie is. It can go fast, but it does have a lot of flex, and you lose a lot of power. But they're also the something that people who want to start like going on the track and stuff, they'll get like a they'll get an old Miata because it's a it's a great track day car. It's not super fast or anything, so you can get to its limit pretty easy but you can actually learn how to drive on the limit in a car like that which is really useful and it's rear wheel drive and you can get the back out which is a lot of fun in well, the in the 15 seconds that we have left in this what <laughs> kind of car is your bike segment matt yep tell us what kind of car your uh, new campion is oh that's a good question i don't know yet i'm still trying to figure that out all right i think it's somewhere it might be something like a nissan gtr Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what a say. Nissan is, but you know, it's that's, still, a, that's it, a Nissan in uh, in England. Oh, okay. come on! I had a Nissan. <laughs> you didn't have a GTR. <laughs> no, I had so a Nissan. It is. <laughs> it's sporty. It's fast, but it's still kind of like a production car. It's not like super exotic. It's um, fairly reliable and workmanlike, and not crazily expensive, which it certainly wasn't. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a, it's something pretty quick. So to close this out, if the Miata is an introduction to the track and going fast and racing, I think that my logic, Richie logic has really done its job. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first four years, three years of racing road bikes and I think I'm ready to move on guys. Mm-hmm. So time for the Lamborghini time for something stiff. So hey guys, can I uh, can I introduce this next segment where we're going to talk a little bit about uh, La Course? Yeah, yeah, let's do absolutely. It. Do you guys realize that uh, Anna Van Vluten, who uh, won La Course, yes, uh, and also won the stage uh, stage one. I suppose she won stage one and stage two. She so did won both stages and won uh, won the overall. Uh, Stage one was the climb up the uh, Col Bizois. And do you realize that her time in the final 5K Mm -hmm. up that climb was third best to every racer who did that race, including the entire men's peloton? Yeah, I think, was it Barguil was uh, first? Barguil's time was quicker. And Roman Bardet's time was quicker in the final 5K up that cool. climb. Yeah. And this is the woman... And that's the final 5K is where she went on her own. That's right. And dropped uh, Lizzie Dignan and uh, um, uh, Elena uh, Longo-Borghini. Wait, and Van Vluten is the one who f- crashed in the Olympics last year, that's right? That's right. Okay, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get these names. I'm trying to remember. Okay, 
Yeah. So and she has just been on a tear this year, which is it's probably an understatement to say. Yeah, yeah. she won the Giro Rosa just recently. No, no, she finished third in the Giro third. Rosa. Oh, wait, she missed. Wait, she who missed, won the Giro Rosa? Uh, Anna van der Breggen. Oh. Wait, I'm getting Van, see, I'm getting Van, Van Vleuten and Van Vluten confused. Okay. But interestingly enough, Van That's because you're not Belgian. Van Vluten, or as her Oracle Scott, Scott teammates call her, Vluti. Vluti, I like uh, that. She won one of the big climb stages in the Giro Rosa and also won the time trial in the Giro Rosa, which had a wicked climb in it. So, you know, she was obviously, if she'd carried that form through to this week, it was, you know, she was the favorite, really, anyway. So, look, I'm not trying to say, like, oh, isn't it cool, you know, you know, a woman has a, you know, time fast, almost as fast as the men, because obviously, you know, there's dozens of women that, that beat men all the time in, in, in races and Strava segments, but this is a woman beating, you know, the, the pro men's peloton. I mean, that's... Pretty yeah. the best climbers in the world. Yeah, that's that. You know, that's just to me. That's pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. So did did you guys watch uh, any of the Lacourse? I watched some uh, some recap and uh, some highlights, but I was not able to watch it live. I did watch it live uh, because it was actually available live. On, they were showing it both on NBC Sports app, probably not on TV, but it yeah, was on the app. Yeah, it's not on TV. Uh, yeah, they had Ant McCrossan and uh, um, sorry, one of the British uh, women's Olympic team. Yeah, I don't care. Who uh, <laughs> announced it? What? So and then nice to hear Ant McCrossan's name mentioned though. It's yeah. Cross is coming. That's right, and they. And then they also had it on Eurosport too. So, so did you did you watch the second stage, the chase or the time trial? I did. How was that? Was that? Uh, it was interesting because okay, so she had forty three seconds over Lizzie Dignan. and that was her gap from the Col des Yeah, and so what was interesting there was. Uh, so she goes off and then they wait 43 seconds and then Lizzie Dignan goes off and sits up and waits for Longo Borghini and her teammate Megan Garnier to catch her and then they all go together. Oh. So there was drafting allowed? They were allowed yeah, to draft? They were on road bikes and it was, it was not a time trial. It was a chase. Okay. It was a pursuit. On road bikes. Okay, so they were pursuit. So not only was was uh, drafting allowed, it was would be encouraged under those. Yes. Under that. So theory. they formed a group to chase the three of them, trying to chase her down. What was interesting about that was she started off forty three seconds behind. She ended up one minute forty odd behind, and they Ahead. never they because she sat up to wait for the guy for the the guys behind. They um, they all worked together to try and chase her down, and they did not make any time on her whatsoever. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. What kind of course was it? Was it flat? Same course as the men's. Oh, okay. It was the same course in Marseille that the men did. Exactly the same course. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, they had the hell of a climb on it. Yeah. Um, and so Van Vluten just rode out of her skin and rode a hell of a ride. Uh, Wait, so it's 20-something K. So 22 K. So it's like... 12 miles? 14 miles? 
Like that. So that's a, I mean, 43 seconds is a pretty big gap. Yep. And she but ended up with a minute and 40 something. There's three of them. Although it was 43 seconds, but then that means that she waited. So the gap got bigger before they caught up. Anyway, okay. I'm trying to figure out how this all works out, but that's interesting concept. Um, so she did, like, even though, like, you know, like Tanzan was saying, yeah, she won the first day, but even like the second day on its own, she would have won it anyway. She was still the fastest on that course the yeah. second day. So, yeah, she dominated. So another interesting point I realized, you know, it was that the, the sort of hammer series kind of thing where you, you know, you're, you're, you're seated in the chase based on uh, how you finish. Right. Apparently, in order to be eligible for that final day, you had to finish within a certain percentage of the winner's time. And her time, five minutes. Was, her time was so fast that not everyone who could have qualified qualified. I think only 19, 19 yeah. women qualified for the, uh, so, for the second day. Yeah, I think it... I think it because originally ASO had said, okay, we're doing this one stage up the Izawad, right? And they were like, oh, we're not doing the Champs-Élysées this year because we do, did that the last year and yeah. the year before and everything's like, okay, fine. And there was a bit of a stink about it. And then they threw this other day in as an afterthought, really. And also the other odd thing about it is day one is um, a world tour race. Yeah, they got points. Day the two. second day was not even part of a, wasn't a world tour race at all. So it really is like a weird, it didn't make any sense, I think. Is it like a hybrid, bizarre thing? Yeah, it's an interesting concept and it would be kind of interesting to do that on its own, even you could even like sort of in the Hammer series style. Uh, it, it seems like still, obviously they could just do it a women's tour at the same time, but in order to grow, like, why not have a sprint time trial on a mountain stage? Right. Yeah. So that It would have worked perfectly, or, I mean, maybe they had one day off if they would have just done the same route. But they still could have done the yeah. mountain stage the next day, I guess. Um, and they could still finish on the Champs-Élysées. Yeah. You know, the men, because it's sort of a twilight finish for the men, they've got all day. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't... But, direct these races so i don't know what they've got going on maybe they've got all kinds of other stuff going on on the on the champs-elysees that day but again like you say they did it last year it's possible but, you know and it just and, and make that part of a, a at least a three-stage race so, i think they could yeah. they the way it was set up they could have used this year's course and made it four days they could have had the mountain day an intermediate day a time trial and the sprint that have been great yeah they should have done that let's yes. do that okay let's do that next year guys you hear us so Yes, Christian. Did you hear that? Belgium, who was over there now racing and, and kicking some ass, won a race, big cool. race, big juniors race. I mean, you know, huge field, fifty plus um, international juniors. Yeah, um, so that's so, that's awesome. That's, seeing uh, seeing Le Sports name right there at the top of the list. I think that's the second 
Sport rider we've seen gone to Belgium, or because Lance Abshire won a race in Europe. I don't know, was it in Belgium or was it in somewhere else? But I think that was last year. So they've got a solid team. So is this like USA Cycling selects uh, a bunch of juniors to go over there, or I don't. That's what I saw on Facebook. Like half a dozen guys or something. But I, I don't know. I think we need to. You know, I think we really need to figure out the. Uh, he was wearing his little sport kit, so it wasn't like he was wearing a Team USA kit. That's right, yeah. So, anyway, maybe we'll have to dig a little deeper and uh, reach get out that, to Get some that folks. Skype link set up so we can have some of these yeah, guys Skype in and answer some of these Skype questions. Skype in and interview everybody. Um, which, I want to briefly segue to the Cascade Cycling Classic that happened in, in my home state of Bend. I'm sorry, my home state of Oregon. In Bend, which I have lots of family in that area, in Bend and the surrounding area, always wanted to go this race. Um, this year it was UCI. It was interesting to see that they had some of the pros racing for Team USA. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that was about. Maybe I should have researched it before we came on the podcast, but I just thought that was interesting. Um, sounds like they had a bit of a shit show. Yeah. On the last stage where the women's finish and the men's finish... Converged. Converged, yeah. Um, That seems pretty shitty. Yeah. A pretty shitty thing to happen at a UCI race. Not Um, just converged, but converged like in the last 500 meters. Yeah, during the sprint. um, It was an uphill sprint. And yeah, they all came together at the same time. I wasn't there, so I can't... I'm not going to try and backseat quarterback this one. But wow, um, hopefully they can. I think I think next year they're not going to be UCI. Uh, I think the race promoter is no longer promoting this race. Um, anyway, that kind of sucks because I was going to go out there next year. That's where my sister and brother-in-law. Live yeah, out well, I mean the race will still happen. Um, I want to go too. I'd love to race it. Yeah. I think there's a actually. I don't want to race it because it's a lot of climbing. <laughs> it's like it's a cat two three field. And there's a ton of climbing. Do the cat two threes do the the whole five day classic? No, they do like they do like no, like three days. Okay, all right. Um, And I've done, I have climbed one of the passes that they do climb there. Uh, It's pretty awesome, the Mackenzie Pass. So maybe next year, Townsend, maybe maybe we'll go and we'll bring our bikes and we'll ride and we'll record a little podcast out there. My uh, by by next year, this time, man, my FTP ought to be. Oh man, jeez. Just upwards of two fifty by then. <laughs> by, by this time next year, you might even have your new bike. That's right. That's true. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, well hey, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. Was and there talking a... about bicycles? Anything else? Hey, I just want to give a big shout out to our teammate Elise. Uh, tomorrow night, That's right. she's putting on an event at uh, Urban, Urban South. South Brewery. Yeah. Um, if this podcast isn't out by then, then this is pointless. I was going to say, that means you have to get the podcast out all up to you, man. God, I have so much to do. But no, it's meet the, uh, meet the women's race teams of, uh, of New Orleans, urban South racing and crush racing. Women's race teams are going to be at urban South and they're going to be talking to, uh, women who are interested in coming out and maybe seeing what bike racing's about or, and, and introducing them to the sport. So it's awesome that Elise wants to do that. Um, she's been great for Urban South Women's Racing and uh, Crush Racing has been a great new race team on the scene this year for women and uh, that'll be a fun event yeah so and then let's it, 
also Thursday, there is the Cross Curious Intro to Cyclocross Workshop, also hosted by Elise and my girlfriend Emily. And it's going to be at Dashing Bicycles. Um, that's tomorrow, uh, Thursday at 6. And that's nice. for women that may be interested in learning a little bit about cyclocross and yeah. what it means to come out and race some cross, which as I have said a number of times and can have my 13-year-old daughter vouch, is an exceptional activity for women in cycling. I mean, every activity in cycling is, is exceptional for women, but cyclocross especially is one um, that is just a blast uh, for uh, all genders. And Elise has also put, uh, also put out that on August 9th, I believe, is the first actual uh, New Orleans women's cyclocross practice out uh, in City Park. Yeah, awesome. on Wednesday. Uh, um, so they're going to be practicing dismounts. So, I mean, gosh, that really means that we're getting... We, we've been kind of... I feel like we've been hinting. We've <laughs> been slowly... Uh, we've been, like, going around the edges. Um, but Cross is, is... The tour is, is finally over. Tour is over and Cross is coming is what you're cross trying to say. Cross is officially coming. I yep. think maybe next <laughs> week... We, we're going to go all in. We're going to go all in on a little cross episode. It sounds yeah. great. Um, I still we're have about to cross. Still have to get my cross bike together. Well, we'll talk about that next um, week. And yeah, so we'll uh, roll us out with some good music tonight, Matt. And um, I'll try. I'll sign off here from the uh, from the couch. This is the T Bone saying good night. And this is Sachirio saying uh, au revoir, Shushu. And this is Bodhi Bodhi saying check back next week because Cross is coming. Sometimes it makes me wonder how I keep from going under.